Okay, sixes, welcome to episode one of Life Uninhibited with me, Kristen Messagy, Enneagram Six Life Coach for Sixes. I have an interview to get this podcast started that I'm really excited about. It's with Valerie Wanamaker, who will introduce her and tell you all about her um, in the podcast. We talk about so many different topics as two sixes are going to do. We wanted to cover everything. We talk about like, what is sexiness? What is the work that sixes need to do at a obviously very high level? We get into the instincts in that part of the conversation. We completely skip over social instinct because I hijacked the conversation and that was totally my fault. (laughs) I learned that I'm a little bit of an interrupter as I listened back to this and you know, I'm learning. I've never been a podcaster before. So giving myself some grace there. We have a really cool conversation around phobic and counterphobic toward the end. I love what came out of that. So even though we kind of focus on the extremes in this podcast, I really think if you're a six, you're going to find yourself in here and you're going to love it. So here it is my interview with Valerie. Okay. Welcome. I have today Valerie Wanamaker. Did I say right? That's right. Okay. Valerie, you are helping me launch this podcast for sixes. It's called Life Uninhibited. I don't think I even told you that when we were talking before. I love that. Yeah, it's good. I'm going to explain that more in the next episode. But I met Valerie, I think... What was the lead up to it? I was really kind of trying to sort through my instincts and somehow I found my way to you Mm -hmm. and you were kind enough to spend some time with me kind of talking that through. And through that experience, I ended up on a panel uh, at the school that you direct. Are you a director at that school? Uh, I'm a faculty and teacher. Okay. Yeah. So you are a faculty at that school and I was on a panel and it was so much fun. It was so well held. It was such a great experience. And then I threw you this question, if you would really help me launch my podcast because of the way you all described kind of the problem of six, I just found it compelling. I found it compassionate and loving, which I feel like we need. So yeah, I invited you here to help me really talk that through. We'll talk about some other things too, but first... Will you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yes. Um, and I also just want to say, like, love that starting this out in total six fashion, right? Collaborative, like, like doing it along with someone. That's totally my style as well. Oh, Valerie is a six. I didn't mention that. Oh, yeah. yeah that's part <laughs> of why this all is so much fun. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah so, I'm like, I need help. Get me another authority. Yeah, like, like let's do it together. That's like always what I do, especially when I'm like starting something new or kind of like scared or nervous. It's like, but to do it with someone, I'm like, okay, right, we got this, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, so happy to launch this with you. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so a little bit about me I am a social six and I work as a ther- therapist, a mental health therapist. Um, I therapeutic practice, I specialize actually in sex and relationships. So I do a lot of, um, I see, I work with couples and other relationship structures or with individuals. So a lot of like attachment-based work, um, but I also love to weave the Enneagram in there. I mean, the Enneagram is kind of like always like in the center of my mind mm-hmm. anyways. Um, but I, you know, sometimes work with it explicitly with some clients, other times not. Um, and then the other part is I am, yeah, faculty and teacher with the Enneagram School of Awakening, which is uh, based here in Asheville, but we do a lot of work online as well. That's how, you know, you get to be with our panel. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I teach, I do some Enneagram coaching. I do um, some like relationship-based work, like using the Enneagram as the primary tool as well. Um, and in the past few, the last few years, actually, I think this is how we initially met as you were introduced to me by my colleague, Frederick, who's also with six. And yeah, we were doing some um, like recruiting for research. We, uh, he and I both, you know, in our, he's based out of Ukraine and in our separate parts of the world, we're both kind of like wanting to really 
have a deeper understanding of like, where does um, our Enneagram type and instinct show up in uh, sexuality and sexual expression? So I started kind of have to do a separate episode. Oh yeah. That is. Oh my gosh. So yeah. So I've been doing research on that for the last few years and collaborating with other professionals in the field who also are interested in sex and the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, lots of little parts there. So that's me. That's so cool. That is so much fun. I am working so hard to not get derailed right now. Cause all I want to do, of course, is ask you, 34 clarifying questions about all right. of that. <laughs> okay. That's fascinating. Take a deep breath. Stay on track, Kristen. <laughs> all right. Let's just start with the, I don't even like the word problem, but here we are. Sort of what makes a six, a six at the core level? Yeah. Is that a good way to ask it? Yeah. I think that's, to me, like what I hear in that is like, how do we get to this fixated state, which yes. is what we generally know is the Enneagram of personality is kind of describing the ways that we get kind of, you know, the ego fixations and kind of contracted and kind of operating on this like autopilot schema narrative, right? Absolutely. So uh, the way that like I was trained and the way that our school orients to the Enneagram is we really like to start from essence. Mm-hmm. And then also then how moving from how these like essential qualities, then once they are embodied in a human being, which is susceptible to pain and trauma and suffering, right? That then that kind of explains the way that we are then trying to mimic essence in some way. And then that's the personality. So with the six, we start with the essence of divine trust, courage, and um confidence and eternity. That mm-hmm. one's my particular favorite. My, um, my like mentor, Tammy Hendricks actually came up with that, uh, confidence and eternity. And I feel like that for me as a six really hits home. Cause it is this, like, it's confidence it, in eternity is what confidence in eternity. Oh gosh. Okay. Carry yeah. On. And like, if we think of each of those, if we like, really, like, if you really spend some time, like, yeah you know, holding those as an essence, as a concept and like, kind of like embodying that it's like, okay, what that that's, um, the stillness that's available in that, the, Mm. you know, then we can also feel like the Holy faith, right. The virtues that we see kind of like all of the things you see along the path for the six are essentially trying to get us back to this thing of like, I like, it's okay. Right. I mean, we can call it like just okayness. <laughs> right? I, I use okayness. Yeah. Frequently. I know. I feel like okayness could also be the essence. <laughs> so I do want to ask you, like, how do you, essence is one of those words that <laughs> it's useful if it's useful. And if it's not, it's just like, what are people talking about? Like, how do you really imagine essence? Yeah. I'd say like essence is definitely the, for me, the more, like um, the sp- the spiritual aspect of the yeah. Enneagram. And if, if spirituality isn't someone's bag, then, which, I mean, honestly, for me, that's an area that I'm still really growing in, but I think it's also like right. the, the higher value, right? A guiding principle is yep. another way to kind of um, conceive of it. But I think that like, you know, it, and this is where like, when we think about embodying and like, this is the tradition I was trained. It was like, if, if you were to, to embody like trust, Right. If you just take that into your system, like what happens like on a visceral level, if you were to embody like confidence in eternity, you know, even just eternity as the concept of like that, like, like everything is, you know, because a lot of the, the fear for this, I mean, all of the head types, right. We're dealing with um, existential issues, right. We're dealing with safety, security, continuity, right. Okayness and in various ways. And, you know, so for the six, we're kind of constantly trying to compensate for a lack of trust, right? Not, and then it gets projected onto other people. It gets projected onto um, what can I put my, you know, you know, material wise or the decisions that I make, et cetera. And it's like, when that is, you know, dislodged and not in our system, we're trying to compensate for all the time. So this is where it's like, when, if we can get um, some kind of grasp on what essence is in terms of like, um, you know, if you think of like someone in your life that you just absolutely adore and love and that just being in their presence actually can change your state. 
right? They maybe loan something to you. So I know like when I'm around one of my friends who's a four, it's like, oh, like, yeah, like I suddenly, she'll be talking to me about like poetry, which I'm like, I don't, I really don't. I mean, I'm not a poetry person. I'm like, I don't understand what I just read. But when she describes it, I'm like, ooh, like I feel something different. Yes. So and what so, you're describing, yeah, which you touched on earlier, is this is all about really embodying different states, mm-hmm. not just thinking about them, yes. right? <laughs> so if you go back to, what if we assume that we came from whoops this essence or however we would describe it what happens mm-hmm. to us to create as you said mm-hmm. fixation is it okay if we do a little like a walkthrough like how yes, we- please okay so let's say if we start with like um you know opening up the mind to this the spaciousness of the unknown right? The confidence in the eternity that like, yeah, like life happens, death happens, things come and go, but it's all a part of something, you know, that is the, that's the confidence in eternity part that nothing is actually within our control. Nothing is forever. Everything is a part of something that is, you know, movement is life. Right. And so that like that, that's kind of, so if we start from there Mm -hmm. and then we imagine trying to put that in human form, right. Which doesn't fit. It's just one aspect. It's an essential quality. It's on loan to us in some way. Right. And then we're like born into a world where there's pain and there's suffering and it's uncomfortable and there's trauma and there's disappointment and there's, you know, and we lose the sense of that, but there's some part of us that is like, feels like I know that this is possible, right? Like I was like bathed in this experience of like divine trust or confidence in eternity. And now it's like, it's, it's like, there's something, but I'm not, I'm not feeling that. So then the personality starts to fixate around that. Like I'm trying to get back to that state. Yes. The way that I try to get back to that is I'm trying to find something certain. I'm trying to find something that outside I, of me, outside of me yes. that will then mimic that. Yes. I'm like, I'm, I'm reaching for security. I'm reaching for the person that I can trust. I don't want things to change. I'm trying to control the circumstances. I'm trying to, you know, control whatever I can. Or, to you know, get that limit. sense yeah. that must that be embodied. That sense yeah. cannot be gotten. It's yeah. It's never going to come from the material. The material world can kind of reflect it yeah. in a way. Right. And it, it, it gives us a sense of it, but it's, it doesn't live there. So for sixes, that lack of internal sense of Sturdiness is a word I also use a lot, right? Yeah, I love that. Lack of internal trust, lack of internal sturdiness. We then take that discomfort, and you've kind of said this, I just really want to kind of land it, and we project that, that state of mistrust Mm -hmm. and lack of comfort, we project that out into the world. Yes. And this is where we get stuck, right? Because there's actually some... the, the if, if I project it out, mm-hmm. right. That the, that the sturdiness, that the security, that the trust, the confidence, right. Is out there. Then I kind of set myself up, you know, of like, then I can try to get it totally right now. Yes. I can try to obtain it, you know, oh, and that's, that's so constant cool. chase for it, but right. that stuff can't actually truly go in. Right. But, Okay. I'm just letting that. I'm like, yep. So because our work, and this is not to say, and I always want to be so careful here. This is not to say, well, the world is actually just so trustworthy, right? Or the world is actually such like this great safe place. Like, no. no. <laughs> but what we lack is a sense that we can handle what comes our way. Exactly. Right? We lack a sense that I know the world is the world. Mm-hmm but I can meet it yes. with it, with an internal sense of myself. Not that I'm alone, right? Not that I don't also use other people. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like mm-hmm. half the reason you're here, right? So I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't want to do this alone. Mm-hmm. But we don't get to ignore the part that we're building our internal resourcing as part of our sexy work, would you say? Yes. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's so tender. 
we're so tender. I know <laughs> we all are so tender, but then it's like, when you have those moments where you, where that like really hits home, it's like, ah, oh. you know, I know that for me, like when I, like when I'm in six, you know, and I've got the whole like sixy brain happening and I'm like, all right, you know, and I'm assessing and I'm analyzing, and I'm trying to get more information and I like, can't make a decision for the life of me. Right. I'm confused and totally. doubting da, da, da. you know, cause it, it never shows up usually as fears. It's never like, Oh, I'm afraid. It's like, no, there's a right choice or, oh, I don't want to, da, da, da. you know, it's like, and I get all kind of like you bent out of shape and controlling and tight. But when I can get to the place where I really can kind of like play that tape forward and be like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, I might make the wrong choice, whatever that means, or this horrible thing might happen. And like, how much can I really control it? Like, I don't know, maybe I can't, you know, like there's no, there are no guarantees. That's for me, the best thing. Like it's my best message. Like there are no guarantees. There are no guarantees about anything, you know? And like, I know that it can sound like a little pessimistic maybe sometimes. Like when I, like I've heard, this is like the sixth, you know, negativity. But for me, it's like, if there's no guarantees and I'm not trying to control people and the, you know, my surroundings as much, you know, I'm like able to actually be more in flow with life and make choices and also, re- you know, acknowledge and accept when those choices aren't going to, you know, 100%. Okay. I am curious if you get this, cause I get this a lot. Um, when I'm working with sixes, it's, it'll go to this. Okay. Well, if I can't control things, then I'm just supposed to do nothing. Yeah. No. I'm just supposed to accept da, da, da. So what you are describing is again, it's different. It's like an embodied acceptance of, it's almost like being, it's like accepting to be in agreement with what is. Yes. Yeah. It's like, I am going to actually do my part without thinking that I'm controlling the outcomes, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to give up my part. Mm-hmm. It's not either or. Yeah. And, and I'm I not only going to do my part if you do your part, the totally. way that you said that you were going to do your part, you know? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. And I, and I am going to have boundaries, right? I'm going to learn how to actually hold you accountable for things yes. that are important. Like there's so yeah. much there, but I, I just want to highlight that either, or that's so quick to happen. Yeah. Right? It's, it's like, well, if I can't control I- it all, I guess I just, I guess I just do nothing. Yeah. Do nothing. Or, um, I think I see a lot of sixes and I've seen this in myself where we swing between trusting everyone, trusting no one. It's like, Oh, well, I guess we just can't trust anyone. It's like, totally. what what, what is happening here? You know? And I've seen myself do this actually some years ago, I went through like a really big, like relationship upheaval and it was really difficult and painful. And at the time, one of my friends, I remember she was asking, she's like, what are some of the things that you value in a relationship? And I don't even remember, but I listed off. And she was like, Oh, for me, it's like trust and something else. And I was like, trust. I was like, I wouldn't even put that on the list because like, what is the point? Trust is not even going to make the list because I, my view of trust is like, sure. I air quotes, trust people like trust that they're going to do what's best for themselves or trust that they can betray me anytime, no matter how much they love me, because that's how people are. Right. You know, kind of like this thing of like, Oh, I'm like open, open open-minded, or I'm just honest about, you know, Mm -hmm. the reality of the human condition. And the reality of the human condition is that like, it's going to bite me in the ass. Right. So like, don't let your guard down. So it's like, I never was actually trusting. And like, but now it's like, I think that that really gave me the opportunity to understand like, okay, what is trust for, right? Like trust is like, you're, you're allowing this opportunity to like build a bridge, right. Between me and this other person or me and this destination. Like I trust that this can be more that we can do something bigger or get to this place. And that was what I learned in this was like, Oh, the thing that I was most afraid of happened. Absolutely horrible. Mm. Right. And like, and I'm okay. Right. Like, and right. you know, I'm actually learning a lot in this experience or I'm opening up to the fact that, yeah, like my life could be taking a totally different direction than I had anticipated and like, Mm. we'll figure it out. And so when I can get to that place of okayness in myself, then I'm able to, I can be generous with that and extend it to someone else. And then if I am disappointed or, you know, they don't follow through or they like, you know, betray the trust in some way or whatever that means, like, it's like, I can actually approach that with compassion. And nuance. And boundaries. And boundaries. (laughs) Compassion, nuance, and boundaries. Because this is one of the things, you know, some sixes are loyal and trusting well beyond what is healthy. Some sixes will say, well, I'm loyal until 
one thing happens. Yeah. My response to that is that's not loyalty because we have to be able to have some nuance in our relationships. They're complicated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Friendships, uh, intimate relationships, parent, child, they are complicated. There's going to be rupture. Yes. I think accepting relationships are going to have rupture Mm -hmm. is such a huge part of that internal trust. Mm -hmm. How those ruptures get handled says a lot to, okay, is this worth sticking out or whatever? But there really is something to the acceptance ahead of time. Yeah. Right? That people are going to hurt me. Yeah. I'm going to hurt them. Yeah. Yeah. And and so then that's where it's like, they're going to hurt me. I'm going to hurt them. Like that is how relationships work, right? Like we're wounded in relationships, we heal in relationships. And then it's like, I'm not trusting that, like, I'm not, I'm not making myself actually in a like disempowered position by saying the only way that I'm going to be okay or feel safe is dependent on this person following through with what they said they would and never making a mistake. You know, it's like, it's actually more of like, I trust in my ability to repair right. And my ability yes. to heal and our ability to repair in the relationship. And if I trust in that, then it's okay. And that might mean, you know, maybe something ends, but I also trust that if something ends, that that's, that's also the right thing. And that that's okay. Like that. I can allow that. Boom. Yes. <laughs> Agreed. So good. Easier, I like say all this like easier said than done. Like I'm sure there's like, a no, I, and I don't hear at all that you're <laughs> saying that it's easy. It's yeah. just, this is what it can look like. This yeah. is how it looks when the trust, whatever word we're using, right? When this sturdiness is within, it truly gives us more flexibility in the world as it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what we're saying, right? And there's kind of like this journey around that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes things get ruptured in a big way and you kind of have to recreate that all. But just this overarching idea that I can meet the world and I can navigate in it. Yeah. And relationships and whatever. And that doesn't mean it's all going to be okay. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. I can meet the world. I can, you know, try to set some of my own terms. So I think yes. that's where it's like, we, you know, there's such a, all sixes, we look so different, right? But you have, you touched on this earlier, right? Like there are some sixes who are like, you know, very uh, disarming, right? Super warm, super loyal, very, you know, and they're seeking that kind of protection yep. from others but then they don't have as much autonomy in their life because then the, you know, you end up spending all this energy, you know, trying to be in protection, you know? And so then maybe you're staying in the job or the relationship or the, you know, whatever it might be in order to have some kind of sense of continuity, but you're not actually choosing something for yourself. And then if you're not choosing something for yourself, you know, how, how much of the heart do we have to shut down in order to sustain Mm. that? How much of our gut instincts do we have to start ignoring in order to recognize that we're violating our own yes and no, you know? So it's like, you become really desensitized and separate from, you know, the other centers of intelligence and we swing that back to the other way, right? Those of us who are like, trust no one, right? Right. Trust nothing, you know? And then that's a, that's a lonely existence. Oh, so true. Yeah. It's like, it's super guarded. And, and, and I think that there are a lot of times where we can mistake like boundaries for, it's like, it's actually just a wall. Like you're just walled off. And, and then like how much of the heart is starved? You know, how much of our gut instinct is is also compromised because we're just saying, no, 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 no. And then in those moments and in those seasons, we just go more to the mind. Yes. And our mind just gets tighter and spinnier and tighter and spinnier. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. while all of this disconnection and walled offness is happening from the neck down, our stories are spinning up more and more and more. And that's where we think we're safe. Like I'm going to solve this in my mind. I'm going to figure this out. I'm Mm -hmm. going to get the answer. That's where we're looking for any certainty. And part of the invitation of working with the Enneagram or any work at all is to actually reconnect to those other centers. Like you're saying to actually, what is going on in my heart and what are my instincts saying about this? One of the things I come up against a lot working with sixes is if they listen to their gut, they think they have to act on what it says. And so that can actually keep them 
not listening to their gut because they know something. Mm -hmm. And so actually opening up permission to like, you can actually know what your gut is saying and you still get to decide. Yes. (laughs) So you don't have to be against your own self. You have permission to actually think through what's there. Does that make sense to you? Oh yeah. I was laughing a little because I'm like, yeah, that's, I can so relate to that. And oh, I mean, totally. it's like I intentionally slash unintentionally scramble my like gut instinct, right? So you could define that because scrambling I, centers. Yeah. Is a thing so just to scramble it for me, it's like, I, it's like, oh, I think I know, you know, like you have like that gut impulse of like, yes or no, but I'm like, but was it that? Exactly. But was it that? But, but like, what if it was just this or da da da? You know, it's like I immediately yeah. go into an, an like analysis or analyzing or I get hooked on, yeah. and I'm not trying to do this on purpose, right? But that's no. what the ego pattern of the six does. It's kind of like, well, what is it? How do we know? It's, this it's, is how, how do we know strategy. That we our yeah. doubt is the strategy yes. to keep us spinning in our head. So, yeah, stuff comes from the gut, and the mind immediately starts to pull it apart, mm-hmm. literally rendering oftentimes our gut instincts just lifeless upon arrival. So we're like, well, <laughs> yeah. I, I just tore that to shreds. And so there's nothing shreds. recognizable in it anymore. Like, so I can't do anything with it. That's exactly right. That literally is um, what the name of the podcast is all about. Because what that is, is the self inhibiting that sixes do. This is from Sandra mm-hmm. Maitri's book, mm-hmm. The Spiritual Dimension of the Enneagram. And so the self inhibition is what we do. And so that's why I named the podcast Life uninhibited. So we actually can connect to ourselves and let it actually come out and see the light of day before it gets doubted and ripped yes. to shreds. Mm-hmm. That's so good. I love that. You know, I was just thinking as you were saying it, like, is that, you know, for me as a six, like I'm very sensitive to feeling overpowered by someone or, you know, disempowered by them, or they're being pushy or they're telling me what to, what to do or how dare they be so bold. Right. And it's because like, I, you know, I'm really good at cutting myself off from that internal self-permission or being able to trust my own instincts. Like how dare someone else trust theirs? Like, you know, and then I'm like, you know, suspicious of them. Like, how did they know that? Or like, what are their credentials? You know, I'm a social six. So I go into like, how are they qualified? (laughs) 100%. Yeah. Okay. That's so good. (laughs) Let's go into what's great about sixes. What do you like about it? What's good? There's so much good. Mm -hmm. There's so much good. Um, I mean, for me, like I, and I have a lot of six, six friends in my life, you know, but I think, you know, sixes can be super playful. Yes. It's like easy for us to kind of like access that kind of like childlike fun. Um, You know, I also think too, like we are are great. Most of us are really great friends, you know, because we know how to collaborate. We know how to be, be honest, be direct. We'll also like kind of, I think that there's something to the like, it's, it's so we're, you know, we're really about like honesty and sometimes to a place where it's like that can get, and that mm-hmm. can go sideways, but we're not talking about the sideways part right now. We're talking about the good part. Um, <laughs> but it's like, I think with that, because we're more concerned about, well, what's true, we actually can hold a lot. I totally like, I find sixes when they really know like what's true for some, they, like they can really drop like the judgment and the skepticism and all of that. And it's like, I think that we can be really super flexible about the way that people live their lives and the choices that they make and show up for them and be supportive of them truly, even when it's very different from our own. I agree. That is my absolute favorite thing mm-hmm. about being a six and and seeing sixes in the world really being the ones to draw out complexity. Yeah. And the nuance and to say there's more here than what we're seeing. I think sixes in the the ability to stay out of camps. And I know this is not all sixes. Some sixes, whoop, we're right in a camp and that's <laughs> Our safe place. Yeah, we look like at the camp. I'm like, oh no, I don't want to be in this camp. I'm getting a different camp. <laughs> I think there is just something about the ability to hold complexity and the ability to the questioning is so useful, mm-hmm. especially when done thoughtfully, because we can automatically question all the live long day, right? I mean, I can tear anything apart with my questions, mm-hmm. and that can be so great. Our questioning power is incredible. It's kind of bar none. <laughs> yeah. 
hundred percent. Well, you know, I mean, there are some teachers who talk about one of the essence, like that the essence of six is also like um, essential truth. You know, that we are really truth seekers that it's like, and, and once you get to like, what is at the core, it's like, okay, that's it. There it is. That's it. I can, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Right. But it's like, when you feel like there's something just underneath, you're like, I don't know. We're not, it's like, that's why there's that penetrating question. Just like, okay, but what is it really? But what is it really? What is it really? And when we're in doubt that never gets answered, but when we're in a more balanced place, it's just kind of like, oh, like we can just like cut to the core of a thing or like, you know, really research something to get to a place of like, ah, here is this kind of the, the, the pure gem. This is yeah. it uninhibited, right. Or unaltered yeah. or undis, you know, not distorted, just like really seeing something. And it's like, clear, pure form. And sometimes that quality gets ascribed to other types. And I think that is very much a six thing. What, what other types? That's, that is often described as fives. And I think a lot of sixes mistype themselves as fives, right. As like the investigator, you know, they're trying to like, you know, but it's like sixes are, we're trying to come at a truth just to know the truth, just to see it clearly. That's yeah. not quite the way that fives are doing it. You know, they're, they're doing something else, but they do their own digging, but it's different. It's different. Okay. But something you said too, I want to highlight when you said when we're in doubt, that's when the kind of the questions never will get answered. Yeah. Yeah. But that same questioning really can get us to a place where we're actually internally embodied, grounded. Yeah. And landed. Yes. That's just good to know. I think. Yeah. And what's tricky about that, right? Like this is where, you know, coming back to talking about the other, you know, the gut center or embodying, right? Because if I am in the energy of doubt, like for whatever, you know, however we want to, you know, that's the way that I will talk about it. it. Yeah. Like I am just my, I am just doubting. So whatever. I'm I'm just ahead. Yeah. I'm just a doubting head. I'm just skeptical, you know, and I'm like seeking something certain or something clear, but I'm in a fixated state. So yep. that doubt is going to land on whatever I put my attention on, whether it's trying to buy a freaking rug online or, you know, trying to come at some kind of agreement with my partner or, you know, whatever, whatever I'm looking at. Or that- a comment online. Yes. So, and, but, so I think it's like, how do we shift from doubt into that, like getting into the body you know, and getting into that yes. grounded state so that then the questioning is kind of like, you, f- you feel it. It's like, I feel like there's something more. And then a question that comes from that place is a much better question and actually can get us to a place where it's like, oh, I feel complete with that. That yeah. is, I mean, I just could not agree with what you're saying more. And so really helping people know the difference in body sensation. Yes. I mean, this is so key. It's like, just notice what it feels like when you're in that doubt fixated state, Mm -hmm. know that it makes all the sense in the world. You're doing that for very good reasons, right? You're trying to find safety and security and feel better and all the things. Mm -hmm. And then know what it feels like when you just know something Yeah, and you're just like, yeah, that's how that feels. And you can still ask questions there and there's still flexibility there, but just start to really explore what is the body sensations when those different things are happening. Mm-hmm. And then kind of let ourselves release some of that fixation when it's happening. You actually start to realize, oh, this actually isn't my best thinking, or this actually isn't necessarily where I want to be. I'm mm-hmm. not mad at myself for it. I'm just noticing this has got that tight Yes. Healing. I kind of imagine literally all the sensations getting like squeezed up into the head. Yeah. And then my head grows little legs and it's like, yes, those are running all around. Totally. Let's go into what makes sixes so complicated. We're, we're the most complicated number on the Enneagram. They yeah. say it's yeah. true. I know it is true. And it's, it's kind of like, I mean, the way that I describe it is like the pattern itself is contradiction. It's complexity it's this and that you know this Mm. or you know it's like this or that this and that it's both it's both and it depends yeah yeah it's it's duality it's the the contrarian aspect right so it's like everything that's true about us is also not true 
sometimes, you know, or under the circumstance or, you know, but part of that too is like, you know, I would, I would say, honestly, I mean, all the types are complex in their own way, but I think that three, six, and nine yes. all being, you know, what's considered the attachment types makes all of like our, those types look and feel vastly different, like within the type, you know, so like there's, you have got all these sixes that look very different. You have nines that all look very different. You have threes that all look very different. Mm. And part of that, you know, we we can talk a little bit about instincts, but I think I just Mm -hmm. want to say a little bit about the attachment aspect. And, you know, that word when we're speaking about it with Enneagram is referring to the stance that we take between our internal world and the external world and being attacked. I mean, the way that I would simplify it is like, we're taking the outside and putting it in and be like, is this me? Mm. Is this what I believe? Is this what it? Nope. Okay. Throw that one out, put something else in, you know? So, so we are kind of always positioning and changing our stance and, you know, orienting to something outside of us in order to find something inside of us. Yep. So there's a lot of, um, t- t- you know, taking in and rejecting, there's a lot of being against. And so as a head type, as a six, we're doing that, you know, around ideology and concepts and beliefs and who am I with and who am I against and loyalty and this, you know, that alone can create a lot of different ways that we look because we're always kind of changing and the environment that we're in, the family we grew up in, the culture that we were around, all of those things are going to be impressing on us, you know, that we are trying to show up as in order to experience a sense of self while also like wanting to feel part of something. Cause we have this huge drive to be a part of, right. To collaborate, to not be alone. So uh, there's, which sounds so good, right? I yeah, mean, there's, there's also this tendency to throw ourselves under the bus for the external orientation. Mm-hmm. And I always just talk in terms of balance. You want to be able to bring yourself to the table as much as you want to find safety in groups and whatever else. The world needs more of us, not (laughs) less or not just reflecting it, but like, who are we really? And not trying to, yeah, I think it's like what I hear in you saying, and I think this is super true, is that it's like the medicine or the antidote to whatever is not to just do the opposite. It's not to not do that thing. It's like bring awareness to when we're doing that thing. Yes. And with, if you're doing that thing and you have awareness around it, something can be different. You know, like sometimes we get introduced to a tool and you're like, oh, it's my type. And these are things that are bad. So now I'm just going to not do those things. And then that feels like growth. And it's like, it's not, that's just repression or suppression. You know, another thing I find with sixes and obviously can do this too, turning every single tool into a should. So it just becomes more of the super ego shooting all over self. And then you learn something that could be helpful and useful. And it's like, okay, well, I have to do that. I should do that. Mm Mm-hmm. And then that list comes, becomes really long. I know for me then I just don't do any of it because I'm overwhelmed. Right. And then, and then you're really beating yourself up. And then it's that never ending personal development hamster wheel of doom. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm fully convinced that I am actually just like the world's biggest piece of shit. So, (laughs) and then I collapse into that. And then I'm like, well, I suck anyway. So I'll just like eat a snack and like watch TV and like, we'll just, you know, not think about this. That's exactly right. Right. The only way to shut the brain down. Yeah, it's like six moving to to nine in the lower state. Yes, yeah, Which is a whole nother separate conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so you talked about attachment. Talk about briefly. Go ahead and talk about instincts a little bit. Yeah, so um, the instincts. So we're talking about self preservation, yeah. sexual and social. All of those in their own way, kind of being survival instincts. All of those. I also think that's like developmental. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you come into the world as a baby, you're sensory, you're sensitive. It's just like your all of your attunement is to survive, right? In a very material, physical way. Mm-hmm. So self-preservation um, concerns are around, you know, when we extrapolate that into adulthood, it's it's that goes into like um, your finances, your home, your sense of well-being is a big one, right? So the body, sleep, food, you know, how I'm spending my time and energy. So, but with all of these, you know, we take the self-preservation instinct. So if that is something that's really dominating our attention and our energy, we combine that with the fear of the six or the cowardice as they call it of six, which is the doubting and all of that, you know? Um, And then, so it's kind of like the preoccupation is around, this is what I think tends to look more of like your classic six. I was just going to ask. Yeah. It's like, Oh, like I need a fire extinguisher in my house or whatever. This is all the six memes. This is the the snippets of six. This is what you get. Yeah. Yeah, It's like looking for the exits, looking for the 
Yeah. And a much more literal way. Cause it is yeah. the self-preservation is concerned about like myself and the environment. Absolutely. Yeah. So that is going to create a very different uh, looking six yeah. from the sexual instinct. So kind of taking us on a little journey here, yeah. the sexual, um, you know, kind of could be said developmentally to come online when, you know, so the infant starts to have awareness of self and there's the, you know, the mother or the caregiver. And it's kind of like feeling that tension between like that merge state where I get all my needs met through this person to like, oh, I'm independent and I want to like move over here. And so now sometimes you're like, you're in my way, you know, but I want to be with you. No, I want to be away. So that's like that, that kind of tension piece. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that in terms of like the sexual instinct will land on trying to kind of recreate these states of um, transformation, right. Of tension, of dissolving boundaries of merging. Um, so is the we, sexual six, the one who's going to not respect your boundaries as much, maybe it, and is it in a, a sexual context Give me as specific as you can. Give me yeah, a- yeah. So the the sexual instinct, it's like it can be within the sexual context. We are talking sure. about the realm of attraction, right? So right. this is also like, how do I attract someone? Like what's going to stand me out? And it's, you know, going to also be oriented to like, not just who am I attracted, but, um, the, you know, it's not like you don't want to be broadly attractive. It's mm. like specific, okay. right? You know, so it's also about like repulsion, you know, so it's like uh, yeah. there. And so this is where I think when you see that combined with the fear or the cowardice of the six, right, these two things are kind of an interesting combination. And your so your sexual six is like simultaneously moving towards and moving through or like, you know, penetrating boundaries. So this six kind of like can be more intimidating. Mm-hmm. There also can be more of an emphasis on beauty and attraction mm-hmm. and who they're pulling in. Um, but it's, it's, it's pushing against that fear yeah, directly, yeah. not consciously. This does not yeah. mean it's more conscious. It's just like, so if there's fear, it's like, well, they're just like kind of plowing through it. Yeah. You know? Okay. Um, so let's say, I want to take an example of that real quick. Yeah. So let's say that in a non, is there any example of sexual sex in a non-relational context that you can think of that makes sense? So I think of like myself as an entrepreneur. And I'm always finding myself always pushing against the boundaries of my business. I'm mm-hmm. like, that's working great. What's next? What's mm-hmm. next? Is that, what is that? Valerie? <laughs> what is that? Um, I mean, well, so you lead with social, I believe, right? So the sexual is. So. The sexual and social are so tied up mm-hmm. in that first and second realm. I, I think that, you know, s- sexual in general, right? If it's in the stacking, meaning if it's in the, t- if it's your primary focus or it's the secondary one, it's going to, you're going to be pushing through stuff, right? Yeah. Because that's your stacking too, right? Yes. And do you find that also in yourself that you're, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like finding the container of safety and then staying there forever. Like, I think that sixes who have the sexual instinct in the blind spot are the ones that are more likely to maybe they are kind of slowly and steadily progressing in their career, you know, maybe according to a particular path. So they might get somewhere really far and have it like a super high. It doesn't mean that there's no change, but it's like this, like step by step by step. Whereas like when there's sexual dominant or even sexual secondary, there's like more like, uh, we just took a sharp left turn here. (laughs) (laughs) Cause it's kind of like, that. like, let's like throw this all out and start something new. Like that's kind of what the instinct wants to do. It wants to like burn things down and regenerate. And so totally. So whereas the self-prez is going to be more careful to kind of set things up as we move along. Yeah. It's going to be like, I'm not just going to jump off the thing. If I haven't thought through, well, what's that going to look like? What's that going to mean? Whereas the sexual instinct has more capacity to just do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and okay. If I were to say it simply, it says in general are courageous, right? We're all dealing with feel. And a lot of sixes do things. It's not like even the phobic sixes, they have some areas where they are showing up and doing like really radical things or things that I'm like, that's terrifying. I would never do that. You know, we all have areas where we are push like constantly pushing our own boundaries Mm -hmm. because part of that is like, Mm -hmm. because if I can survive it, you know, it's almost like this unconscious self-test of like surviving it in some way. Okay. Hold on. We have to hold on. You just kind of blew my mind. What if, cause we all, the 60 testing thing, 
Yeah. Is we always talk about that in terms of others, but what if we are also doing, like, are we testing ourselves? Oh, yes. <gasps> yes. So fascinating. I know I am. I will definitely. I, I mean, I know I am now that we've said it. I'm like, oh I mean, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, most of the six, I mean, every six I can think of, it's like, we are all always trying to prove something to ourselves. Yes. Right. And, and, and then we always end up often motive, self-motivating or def- by, by comparison. Right. So, well, they're doing, okay, I can do that. Or maybe I should do that. Right. So you hear the should coming through, yep. but, and then it's kind of like testing like that. I, or I have something to prove to myself or I can't. And then we then will always um, have, we have a bad habit also of like deflating ourselves or even when we're doing something great or have accomplished it, it's like, oh, well, not really, you know? I was going to say that's that next. The yes. Position. Yes. Yeah. Because to really stand out, to really yeah. own when you've done something grand or great is risky, right? Now I have to put myself out in the chocolate or like, oh, but what, what if I really haven't, right? That's the way that I try to protect myself from doubt is to not actually really own something that I've done. It's like wanting to yeah. live in like some kind of plausible deniability. Yeah. Let's hang out here for just a second because this one, this is so real and it keeps us, it just keeps us stuck with, with like a self view. It's, it's not only inaccurate, but it's just generally hurtful. I'm just so curious how we actually, how do we hold? Cause I've had a lot of success in my business and I've, I've struggled at those times more than when things are hard, right? When things are hard, I'm like, this is familiar. Yeah. Yeah. And when things are really good, I get so spinny and swirly and twisty and Mm -hmm. uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I want people to know. And I'm also like, I don't want it just is a hot mess. (laughs) Yeah. Cause how do we own something without it becoming like, um, arrogant, which is the thing that we fear, right? We don't like arrogant people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What What does ownership even feel like maybe is my question, right? How to just be in our own sense of ourselves is maybe what I'm asking. What are you hearing from my Yeah. I mean, I'm relating a lot. You know, what's coming for me around it is thinking about like the work that comes from like, uh, you know, sixes connect to three. And that's like, if, you know, what can I learn from like that, that high side of three, right. That it's like, I can be outstanding. Like I say that I'm like, Oh, I know. As you said it, I'm like, Oh God. (laughs) Like, you know, I mean, I'm not actually saying that in my personal life, but like, what if I could say that? But like, you can be all for it. (laughs) But I think for me, it's like, I know that the fear in myself is that like, if I actually rest in like, wow, like I did a really good job or I've like really like, I have pulled this off, like, and I Mm. worked hard and I did a good job. It's like, Oh, but what if I'm actually missing something? Right. It's, it's just the fear again, right? That it's like, it, so if we can tolerate, it's like the more, I think that for six is like, you know, we, we live with fear, but we're not really feeling the fear. The mental pattern is the way to not feel it. So yep. we actually get comfortable and familiar and experienced in having fear in our system. So yeah. that is really the only way through. Cause it's like, I'm we're, there's no doing it without the fear. There's no getting rid of the fear. So it's like, we're going to do it with the fear. And even if the thing that we're doing means like appreciating ourselves, acknowledging what we've accomplished and know that like, there's probably going to be some kind of fear story that comes up and says, Oh, don't think that you did such a good job. Cause then someone's going to come around and they're going to tear There's going to be some troll online. That's going to be like, she said, right. I'm like, ah. you know, so it's like, I don't want to own it because then it puts me at risk. Right. And this for me, I mean, so so there's a lot of that. Back full circle to, do we accept the risk? Do we just, yeah, this is like the, I believe I can meet life as it comes. Yes. Yeah. Am I willing to stand tall even though, yes, Mm -hmm. someone may, they have, it's as horrible as you might think it would Mm -hmm. be. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. But you know, here I am anyway. Yeah, yeah, full circle back to the like, there's no guarantees, there's no 100% certainty. It's like there's everything, there, there's risk involved, yeah. and that's okay, but risk isn't a bad thing. It's just a part of yeah. and making choices and putting yourself out there. And so it's just being able to learn how to tolerate that in the system so that we're not working so hard to control it or deny it. Because the thing that sixes are likely to do is we shrink ourselves. And yep. we play small and we let other people take credit for things that we've done. You know, we be, we be the, assi- oh my God, I love being the assistant. Like, please let me be yes. the assistant director. Let me be the person right behind the person in power. Because then if things go wrong, I'm like, well, I wasn't hundred percent me, you know? And like, that's so lame, you know, it's, but it, it yep. just comes from a place of, of fear. I mean, you said it 
learning to tolerate fear in the system. That literally is the work. It's in its big work. It is. Because it's constant. And this is the thing I think that is so, I've had a lot of grief around this, coming to terms with it. It's constant. It is constant. I was thinking about this morning and I hate that. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. But the more I push against that, the, the, that just doesn't work. The more I yeah. ignore it or try to pretend that's not what's happening, the more space I make for it. I do experience grief. I do experience uh, disappointment, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I, that is also when I experience more freedom. Yes. And I'm like, yep, I'm scared. Yes. Again, that, that is the tunnel. Like that is the yeah. way through is that it's like just having to allow all those. Cause I, same for me, right. That it is yeah. the like, gosh, like it is just this, like I am on some <laughs> level just always going to be kind of scared of everything in my life. Right. Yep. When I'm actually paying attention to it, because I'm very good at like not feeling the fear, not thinking about it same. of just kind of being a bit offline to it, you know? Yep. But when I'm aware of it, I'm like, ooh, this isn't yeah. this isn't better, or you know. So it's like, yeah, having to like have the grief process, accepting it, moving with it. But then, yeah, you get to that that clear space. You're like, okay, so because you know, at like, the end of the day, when we admit we're scared, everything kind of changes. Because mm-hmm. then you can get into choice about things. Yeah. If we're not pretending to not be scared. <laughs> And it's like, okay, well, I am, and I know how to feel fear. So then I'm, then I'm embodied. Yes. And I'm like, yep. Okay. And what do I want to do anyway? Knowing I can tolerate this discomfort as I do it. Yes. Yeah. I always really try to work with sixes to truly embrace the ick feeling, Mm. right? The mind is like, there's got to be a way to not feel icky. (laughs) And I'm going to spend all the energy I've got trying to suss that out. Yes. (laughs) What, what if it just does feel icky? Mm-hmm. Then what might you do? Then what might you try? Okay, Valerie, we could obviously talk all day mm-hmm. and we will talk more. We can talk about all these things at greater length. I really want to touch on counterphobic, phobic, because we hear about it, we read about it. Um, and I really kind of want to talk it through because I'm really interested in this as a concept and how it shows up. Kind of you take it away and I'll. Yes. Yeah. No, this is good. So, I mean, essentially when we're talking about phobic or counterphobic, like, um, I think what we're, at least with the, the, the understanding of it that I tend to follow, cause I find it to be most true with myself and with other sixes that I know is like all, like so many other great things that we're coming around to is that it's a spectrum, you know? Spectrum. Yeah. And so, but like the, pho- but I mean, I guess what we're referring to though, is that like a phobic six is, they are actively engaging with fear. They are aware that they are afraid. They are aware that they're anxious. They are aware that they have a bunch of things that they have like, you know, oh no, you know, like nervousness, like, oh no, I can't do that. Or like, you know, they, they are, they can, you ask them like, what's your relationship to fear? And they can list like 20 things, you know, 20,000 things that they're afraid of. Yes. They're going to talk to you about prevention. They're going to talk to you about, you know, explicit safety that is phobic. That is like, here's fear. And here's how I'm reacting to it all the time. And does this tend, do you think to kind of blend in with the self-preservation instinct? So phobic often gets associated with the self-preservation instinct and go back to what I was saying earlier. I think that's an easy association. And as you know, some of the time true because the focus of attention is on the environment and my resources and my time and my well-being, right? And so those are things that I can really look at and tangibly project fear onto and try to control. So this is where I think that the phobic and the self-preservation gets associated. But I think, I mean, I know some sixes that lead with self-preservation that I wouldn't say that they're very phobic. Mm. Maybe they have some areas where you see the phobic stuff come up where they're like, yeah, here's how I'm managing all of that. (laughs) You know, and it usually is like they're managing it, you know? So, but, but I think that like, um, and that's the one where it's like, you don't really see the, like the phobic, the nervous six, right. The one that's like, like, don't hurt me. Like some protect me, like really endearing and really sweet. And, but there's, yeah, that, that really like the nervousness and the phobias. Um, so then the counter, the other end of that spectrum, counterphobic is describing, um, like it's, it's being counter to, so wherever the fear is landing, 
pushing against that, doing the opposite. So it's like running towards the fear, but this is unconscious. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Like I've seen this in myself. Like the easiest example is like, I turned 18. I went skydiving. I'm terrified of heights. Mm-hmm. Was I like, I'm going to do this to prove that I can this fear. No, that's not a thought that I have. I just did it and I survived, right. but it's like, it, so it's kind of like, yeah, like the, the adrenaline junkies, you know, like that's really like your counterphobic six. It's like, that's the, like proving it to myself or like, I'm not going to be, you know, whatever. I, I feel like six other ones were like running into the burning building to save people. Okay. They often let's, get taken as eights. Okay. Let's even give a more day-to-day example because I totally get you. And that's what we see in the books, but they're very extreme example. Fair. Yeah. So here's so, a good example. Yeah. I know um, your kind of counterphobic six, like if they see an injustice happening, right? They see, or maybe not, right? They see um, a someone on the side of the road and there's a police officer there. They might walk, walk up and be like, what's going on here? Totally. You know, or it's like, I would not do that. I'd be like, I'm not trying to get involved in that, you know, but like the counterpoints is like, they are approaching the thing that they're like, what's, is this safe? Is it not? Is something happening here? They're walking up to that or they are, yes. they're addressing you directly, right? They're saying an inappropriate, you know, I'm air quoting inappropriate. Yeah. So this was, I, I was thinking like in work context, because most of us have work of some kind at some point in our life that we can think about. And I think of myself in my 20s, is I was the one who was like, oh, is this authority a problem? I will get them fired. Would Mm -hmm. that be your counterphobic? I mean, obviously it's counterphobic behavior. Yeah. It's that kind of thing, right? It's like, I'm going to let you know that you are out of line. It's so embarrassing now. Can I just say as a grown woman as well, this is like a very young Kristen, but it was, it was talking back to cops. It was going to the bosses and letting them know all the ways. And it was always under the guise of for the greater good. Yeah. Right? It was very much like a, you're a danger to mm-hmm. the group. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and let you know about that Yes, and take steps. Yes. And that I would say is also like, it's a counterphobic response that's landing or that's showing up in a very, in the social yes. realm, right? So okay. it's the authority, it's the person in charge, right? It's this, and you know, that kind of, so it's a very social. Cause this is where I feel. And this is why I like the conversation because I feel like it does get very pigeonholed with the instinct. Mm-hmm. It and does. I yeah. like what you're saying and what I have always sensed and why I've been frustrated with the instinct conversations. I'm like, I just don't think it's that. Yeah tied. No, but I, I mean, I think that like, I feel like mm, you do have some sixes who are very, very, very counterphobic and a lot of areas of their life. And some sixes that are very, very phobic and most areas of their life. And then the rest are like, there are some areas where I'm phobic and there are some areas where I'm counterphobic, you know, in one environment, I might show up and be really uh, like blunt and direct and kind of inappropriate, but I don't realize it. Right. When I'm being phobic, mm. it's unconscious. Yeah, absolutely. Right? That's not the same as being courageous. That is what I wanted to pull out too of this conversation because I describe these both ends, all the spectrum, all of it, right, as unconscious reactions to fear, which yeah. is exactly what I hear you saying. Yeah. And I think that's where to, 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 to discern the difference between like being counterphobic yes. versus being acting from a place of courage. Absolutely. And again, the feeling tone, right? Really learning the embodiment state because I can be afraid of something or think something scary. Like I don't downhill ski, not because I'm being phobic, but because I know that's scary and I don't want to do it. Like it's a choice. Mm-hmm. I just, same reason I don't watch scary movies. Mm-hmm. I don't want to feel that fear. I just don't want to. I'm not like, Ooh, being phobic about it. I'm aware that it's scary and I'm making a choice yeah. to not do it. Yeah. Whereas on the other end, if I know something's really hard and I know I'm scared out of my mind, but I'm going to do it anyway, I'm not being counterphobic. I'm saying, okay, I'm really scared. I'm gathering my courage. I'm gathering whatever I need and I'm moving through. Mm-hmm. I don't consider that counterphobic behavior. I consider that courageous behavior. Would yeah. you agree with those examples? 100%. Okay. Yeah. 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 And, I, and, and so again, it's like, if we were just to simplify phobia versus counterphobia, it's just on the extreme end of phobia, a huge awareness of fear still reactive, right? You're reacting to the fear and the counterphobic is the fear is very, very, very unconscious and you're still reacting to the fear, but you're not aware of it. So you're just doing it, but it's not conscious. And then, so when we're jumping off that spectrum, right, then it's like, we're all having fear. We're all experiencing the fear and then maybe making the courageous choice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like when I was younger, I had a lot of counterphobic 
stuff as well. And it was just like, you know, oh, I'm going to like walk down the dark alleyway because I don't want to be afraid, you know, like I'm not going to be, you know, (laughs) and then getting there being like, this was a really bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) It's a wonder. It's a wonder. I mean, part of this is just being young versus being older, but also not. One more thing about counterphobic, why I think it's important to pull out. There's this whole idea that counterphobic is somehow like better or cooler. Call that out. And it is not accurate at all. No, it's it's not a more evolved stand. No. Not like the better. It is just an unconscious reaction. Or it's a a reactivity to unconscious fear. It's a reactivity to unconscious fear. Exactly. And I think it's important to say because there's this sort of like false thing that comes with, well, I'm a counterphobic. Well, and I think that's the reason why it ends up, and I think the only people who make this kind of reputation for the counterphobic and the sixes are the sixes, because people on the outside of that energy are like, "Uh uh-uh, sometimes, right? Because it's very, it's harsh, it's sharp. Harsh and sharp. Like, I don't know what you're going to do, you know? It's like a little like, whoa, what's happening here? But I, and, and I think that like, you know, it definitely does not feel good to be afraid. And I know that for myself, like fear, like fear feels like weakness, right? If I'm scared, then I'm weak or then I'm the prey. I don't want to feel that. So it feels like a pseudo empowering stance. Totally. The aggressor. Yep. You know, and this is not, I'm not trying to like, you know, shit on the counterphobic. No, yeah, it's me. A lot it's of it okay. myself, yeah, but it, cause I'm it, like it, feeling the, yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's just, like, but, I know that armor so well. Yeah. Right? I know yeah. that armor so well. And the awareness that it's armor again, it just brings grief because it's like, there's really so much tenderness behind that armored up a front thing. There's so much tenderness under there mm-hmm. and the awareness that to take that armor off who I really am. is just this squishy. It is very eight in that way. But what you said, it's feeling scared. It sucks. Vulnerable. It's, yeah, it's like, uh, if I'm actually scared, then what? I won't do anything. Yeah. Then what? I won't do anything or I'll be overpowered or I'll be whatever, you know? And so it's like, I think that like, you know, the phobic stance is like, oh, I am vulnerable. I need to be, mm. right? I need, pe- people are my human shields, you know? Yes. And the counterphobic is like, I'm not vulnerable. Like I have, I have the shield or like I have the weapon. Like I have to be the, I am the the tough one. I am the, totally. the one who can do this. I can handle it. But it's not, it's not that deep. It's, it's not, a not deep. that deep because yeah. it takes anywhere on the spectrum. It's that same work of, okay, wait, I am scared. I can work with that. I mean, I think that for the, the phobic six, right. It's like having to come to terms with the story, right. Or this, this belief that like, I can't handle things that that's not true, That like, I actually am capable. I actually am. Okay. You know? And so having to really get grounded, find their core, find their legs, Mm -hmm. And use them. And that like to deny that is the greatest self-lie. Oh, this is so good. Okay. And then on the other end, sort of the lie that needs to be torn down in that same. And that on the other end, in the counterphobic, it is, it is accepting that like, I actually am vulnerable. Yeah. I actually can be touched by the world and impacted oh. and am all the time. <laughs> actually so much so that and it and it, it's excruciating you know and and that like but I can survive that and I'm okay and I don't have to work so hard to try to guard against that it's like people aren't out to get me you know the world isn't nothing's out to get me it's like a participant in uh, this. a participant that was so well said okay that is how we're gonna close that was so well said okay <laughs> This has been an absolute joy, just like I knew it would. Yay. <laughs> I, yeah, it was wonderful. Thank you so much for coming and being yeah. a part of this. And I hope you'll be back because we... Oh, I would love to. <laughs> There's so... And this is like so like just two sixes, you know, know. like we're trying to get it all in and one like... <laughs> I know. I think I just want to close by just encouraging. Okay. I actually throw it to you. (laughs) What would you, what encouragement would you want to like end with for sixes? I kind of think you just said it. Mm. Uh, Yeah. I think that like the thing that I would want to leave everyone with 
maybe it's like the thing I want to leave myself with is (laughs) well one is that like the integration of these things like it's one thing to know it in our mind yes but to really integrate this it takes a long time and like we have to be okay with that there's no quick fix it's nothing's going to change over nothing's going to even change in you know whatever kind of we think is a long time it's like this is our this is lifelong journey life work this is our work yeah Oh, that's so good. And just having to be okay with where we're at and like where we're at is okay. It doesn't mean that you give up. It doesn't mean that you, you know, but it's like, we either want to like collapse or we want to be like, okay, work harder. you know, we like yeah. bounce between that kind of like nine and three with our yep. six energy. So it's like, but if we could just be like, what's it like to take the long view? Yeah. Are you yeah. asking me that? I'm just in general. Oh. <laughs> just kind of throwing that out there. Like for all of us, right. What yeah. would it feel like? If we took the long view here, yes. what pressure might be released if we just tell the truth that we're just human beings trying to figure it out Yeah, right as we go and let that be okay. Yeah. And we deserve the same amount of grace and generosity and support and time that we would give to other people when we are in that compassionate place of seeing where someone's at, you know? So it's like taking that view back on the self. I mean, even when you said that of like taking the long view, I'm like, oh, even though you said it first. <laughs> yeah. But when you said it, I was like, yes, <laughs> now oh. I get it. <laughs> oh, there, that, there's, 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 that happened earlier too. And you said something and I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> this thing that I say all the time. I was like, oh yeah, there it is. <laughs> That's so fun. Okay. Thank you so much. Let you get back to your day and yeah. I will talk with you soon. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here for this inaugural episode of Life Uninhibited. Please subscribe. If you are interested in coaching or want to contact me for any reason, my email is kristen at kristenmessagey.com. You can also go to my website, kristenmessagey.com. You can get a free course for sixes. That's all about confidence for sixes. And you can also contact me. There's a form there. If you want to give any feedback on the podcast, or if you have ideas for the podcast, I would love to hear from you until next week. Talk to you soon.